friends. Welcome to another episode of Your Age is Not Your Cage. Today, I have my special friend who has been on before, April Larson, and we are going to go deep into a subject that we feel very um, strongly about talking about, and it is about married sex, biblical sex, uh, sex within the context of marriage. And this is from two women with 20 plus years uh, in the same marriage. We are both midlifers, April's in her 40s, I'm in my 50s, and we just want to speak into marriages, intimacy, sex lives, and we just dig deep and we open up and we share things that we hope and pray just speak to someone out there and speak to someone that may be dealing with the same things and it gives them hope and it gives them the courage and the power and the strength to move forward in their marriage and to fight for their marriage and for their families and for their uh, sex life and all the things. So I know you're going to love this one. It's a little longer than my normal, but I promise you it is it is packed with good info and you won't want to miss a minute. So stay tuned. April is next. And thank you for watching Your Age Is Not Your Cage. Hi, friends. Welcome back to Your Age Is Not Your Cage. And I have my special friend once again, April Larson on here, who you have heard before. So um, April and I are just going to get right into a really spicy, good conversation. Um, but say hi, April, and just tell a couple quick things for those that haven't listened to you on here before. Okay. Hi, everybody who's listening. Um, yeah, I'm April Larson, and I live in Boise, Idaho with my family. Uh, I have four kids, uh, happily married. I am an esthetician and run my own business. Um, I love the Lord and I love empowering women. I love talking with women, encouraging them and um, all sorts of stuff. So this is this has been fun. Yeah. Well, um, today we're going to get into a topic that's not always um, talked about, maybe openly, honestly, vulnerably, but uh, April and I want to talk about married sex, uh, biblical sex, and what that has looked for us, like looked like for us in our own marriage, um, but just things we want to share to help women that may be going through struggles, challenges, and don't know who to talk to, don't know how to share. And um, so April and I are just gonna, you know, get honest and candid and vulnerable, and just uh, share some of the things that that we've learned and that we've walked through, and we just hope that this would encourage somebody out there and i always remind everyone we are we are not medical professionals or anything else we are just here to share education information mm -hmm. and um and just be here to speak speak into someone that might need to hear this yeah. today so i'm going to start by just us um there is a book called married sex and it's one of the best books that i have read and I will put all the information on any anything we talk about in the show notes. But I'm going to read a little expert, excerpt of that that April and I are going to kind of then chat about a little bit. But it says, The story of sex in your marriage is intended to reflect the greatest story of all time. Every marriage faces unique challenges to do this. At every stage of struggle, you are invited to connect your broken story of sex to the story of God's covenant love. 
the classic fairy tale couple who falls in love, has no problems, and experiences great sex all the time may be an alluring storyline to pursue. The story of God is messier and far richer than that. It's about a love that transcends all brokenness, selfishness, and sin. And that's just like, wow. And so we want to unpack that a little bit. Um, April, um, I'll let you share, you know, your thoughts. Well, I think, on that. I think one of the things you and I that sort of prompted this discussion was, uh, so working with women and working on women, uh, I obviously sometimes get to play therapist a little bit, uh, when they're on my table and, and, uh, I, I, I have found recently that there's quite a few women that are my age and in, uh, maybe marriages that are as long as mine or more. Uh, so we've been married for 20 years, just had our 20 year anniversary and, um, have not had sex for some, some of them up to two, two years and their marriage is on the rocks and they're, they're unhappy. Um, I have uh, one individual uh, who is having an emotional affair. Um, so I think that just to start that off with, there's there was a definite concern in my mind of like, what's going on with with our and 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 these are Christian women, you know. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's where our conversation sort of started, and then this like what. what what is going on inside their marriage? And one of the biggest things was that that they weren't coming together, that there was no, their sex life was was basically non-existent, you know? Um, yeah. But to the thing you just read, for me, that was, I was raised not around a healthy marriage to view. I didn't have a mom and dad together and I didn't have really anybody in my, my circle, my influence, uh, that that could represent what a healthy marriage looked like. So all I had to go off of was movies I was watching, Hollywood, um, you know, that sort of thing. And that expectation started growing inside of me of this is how a healthy marriage and a healthy sex life would look like, you know, um, which was not accurate. <laughs> so for me, yeah. that that little excerpt you just read was a, a a realization I came to not that long ago. I mean, you know, years of therapy, years of marital therapy and um, working on my own self, working on my relationship with the Lord. Uh, did I realize like, that's not normal. That's not a, that's not a normal expectation or that's not what healthy, a healthy marriage looks like kind of thing. And so it, it was a game changer for me when I stopped putting that expectation on myself and, and, and him really, you know, that there were had to be this perfect thing and, and you have to whatever, you know, come together this often or, and, and never fight right. and all, all the different, all the different, uh, illusions that get created, uh, through that. Yeah. Yeah. And all, always has to be some epic, amazing event or, you know, um, I don't know. There's just, it, even when you were talking about all that, I thought about like, romance novels and and things like that because that's I think something a lot of women turn to and and all those out there that have read 50 shades of gray I never read it Neither did I. I have no desire to read it and this is no judgment on anyone 
but it's books like that. It's movies like that, that put a picture in men and women's mind that this is what it's supposed to be like, or, and this is okay. And from the things that I know about that, a lot of the things that happen in there are not okay. Yeah. Um, in the way that, you know, the woman is treated and stuff. And, and so I think it does, it creates such a unhealthy picture that then we carry into mm-hmm. um, our marriages. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, and um, that that makes me think too. And I'm jumping ahead a little on some stuff I wanted to talk about. But since we're in that area, I think that's where a lot of people have turned to uh, pornography. You know, in their marriage. Um, and whether they think that pornography is a substitution, like we're, we're not coming together anyway, so I might as well just look at this. Mm-hmm. Or if they think it's going to add to their marriage, like, right. oh, this will help spice things up and make things better and we'll get some great ideas. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on all that? So I'm just going to be real honest and transparent and vulnerable with, with, with you in the audience. So, um, it's just me and you. Yeah. There's nobody else listening. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Um, but you know, so my husband's never struggled, thank God with, with pornography or any of that. And I'm so grateful that that's not been something that's been a part of, uh, you know, for, for, for my journey with him. But, um, after I had left my which is another podcast for another time. But after I had walked away from my church that I grew up in and sort of walked away from everything and uh, went and turned to drugs and all that stuff, um, I, I started getting involved in pornography. And I not involved in, in the sense that I was doing it, but watching it. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it sort of eked into the beginning phases of our marriage. And what I found for me was that... Um, I started to have a hard time focusing when, when we were together because I would visualize what I had seen, those images and the, you know, and then I had the, the, the expectation that I was supposed to be experiencing and having that same kind of experience that I had seen, you know, and so it yeah. was such a distraction in my mind and it was such a... Um, and then, then, you know, you, you, you try to move away from it, uh, and you're filled with shame and guilt. It is such, I hate giving the enemy such a, like a, it's a perfect tool to destroy a marriage because yeah. you're, it, it is, um, feeding the desire that God already put there for us, but it's, perverting it to a place where you're never going to satiate that desire ever because it's such a twisted idea of it. And, 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 and so you're, and then, you know, you sit there and go, well, something must be wrong in my marriage. Something must be wrong with, with, with our sex life. Um, it's not like this. It's not, you know, so, um, thankfully you, you know, I was released from that and, it took work and it took um, renewing my mind and taking my thoughts captive. And it took focusing on my husband and focusing on all the things I love about him. And in that, you know, place um, and, uh, you know, the enemy will still try to slip himself in there in some way um, to try to pervert again it. But, you know, just 
shutting it down immediately. But you know, what's so frustrating, and I'm sure the audience can agree with this is that now, I mean, back then, what was 20 plus years ago, uh, you had to kind of work for it to get it. Yeah. Now you can just go and watch a Netflix show and it's almost borderline, you know? So then you're finding, you have to almost monitor like, well, like you said, what am I reading? What am I listening to? What am I watching? Um, it's just everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not giving that healthy view of what it truly is. It's not giving that, that view of what it really is, is a deeper, you know, intimate connection, not just a, uh, just a, you know, quick, yeah, feel good in the moment kind of thing. And I think that's where, um, I'm going to go into this next part here because I loved where in this, it talked about, um, genital prime and sexual prime are entirely different, each occurring at opposite ends of your lifespan. And I thought this was so encouraging because it says people don't reach their sexual prime until their forties, fifties and beyond. That's great. So, I mean, how many people really think that, you know, No. I mean, Mm -mm. you get to that stage and it's over, we're done, you know, hang up the hat. Um, And it says a flourishing sexual relationship takes emotional maturity, relational maturity and spiritual health all of which can take decades to achieve. If you depend on horniness to carry you a century of marriage, you're going to be sorely disappointed. If you're willing to build the kind of life, relationship, and spiritual vitality that energizes sexual intimacy, your best, most satisfying years, sexually speaking, may very well lie ahead of you. I mean, what encouragement is that when you read that? Because it it does it does tell you that it's because it's based on emotional maturity, relational maturity, and your spiritual health, and that's stuff that takes time, you know. And it's time as as you get older, um, you gain more and more um, wisdom um, in these areas, and yeah. that's where it becomes. I think that's why it says it can be your most satisfying years. Uh, that lie ahead of you because you're so much more um, in tune with those areas and you're more uh, confident in who you are and maybe overcome things that have happened in the past. And I think that's when it just opens the door for these things to happen, which is why I think it says it can be some of your most satisfying years. And, and I, this is so true. And it's also equally frustrating when you, you see so many couples that have been married for 20, 25 years. And that is the largest demographic right now of, um, divorce. People who are getting divorced is in the, in that range, the empty nesters. Uh, and it's like, man, if, and again, the, just the, the work of the enemy to pervert or lie about something to say yeah, yeah, your sexual prime was early. Now it's done and it's all tired and worn out. Um, when really in reality, it's 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 hitting the reset button because you have to start all over now and um get to that place of 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 like you said, maturity and um intimacy that just doesn't happen uh with with a one night stand. It just doesn't. Um, but but 
the the lie is is that you know it's it's old and tired and worn out so find the new find the new thing ironically um i think and i it, fact check me on this everyone who's listening but you know the divorce rate i think in america is like 60% for your first marriage but then it jumps in second third and fourth to the point where at your like third or fourth marriage you're almost like 100% chance of divorce well the reality is is because the lie is it's better there's something better out there better sex, better, better person, you know, all those, that, those things. And so, um, yeah, I, 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 I guess for me it, and I, I, I want to hear, cause I know you and Sonny have been together longer than Michael and I have been married together uh, longer is it's really actually been, I would say the last five to 10 years of my relationship with Michael that have been the best, like, like, in every way, sexually, yeah. uh, emotionally. So, uh, I mean, do we have, what do, you, what do you attribute that to? What do you, and you're held as you say this for our say, listeners. Say again. I didn't hear the last question. You're how old are you? So, so 45 and yeah. Michael and I, I met him at 23 and, uh, got, we, we did it all wrong. <laughs> so we met, <laughs> had our ba- had a baby got married, kept having babies. So um, I tell my kids all the time, if your dad and I can sit here and be happily married and, and have done it and you know, successfully anybody can, because we went through, uh, you know, just immediate, immediate family, immediate, you know, going into being uh, parents and having to care for them. We hardly got to date at all. Uh, it was probably more based originally on that sexual attraction, that physical attraction. Um, so I would say, and then just me coming from such a broken history, a broken family, a broken idea of what a good marriage looks like, or, you know, um, I'll tell you the one thing it wasn't, it wasn't easy and no work. It was commitment, work, you know, effort on both parties to, um, to meet the needs and love on each other. And then of course, number one is God. I mean, if you both are walking intimately with the Lord and number one, and then trying to, um, you know, love each other the way God calls us to love each other and, and serve one another the way God calls us to serve one another, then, then you, you've got a good chance. You know, and if commitment, which I'll never forget Dr. Dobson saying this years ago when I listened to a, one of his um, podcasts or radio programs that said the number one trait for a healthy marriage is commitment because your feelings are going to, you're going to, they're going to change. They're going to ebb and flow. You're going to, you know, find yourself incredibly attracted one day and then just think that they're the grossest, <laughs> ugliest, like, what, what did I marry? You stink you. I mean, all the things, you know, so the only yeah. thing that can, is that commitment to it, you know, commitment to it. Yeah. So, yeah. um, well, and backtracking on that, because I mean, when, um, you were talking about, uh, when someone's, um, you know, in a marriage and, and they decide they want out and, they, they want to move on to, you know, greener pastures and stuff. And then they get married again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, and it's, it's, you're going to drag whatever is going on with you into that next marriage. Yeah. If there is not any sort of work toward healing or 
you know, figuring out what's going on or if there's past trauma or abuse or anything that's happened until those are dealt with and you're going to bring that right in the next one. And it, it's, you know, the same things are going to happen. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of it is when you have that commitment and, you know, I like the word and I know it talks about that in this book too, you know, the covenant um, mm -hmm. relationship, you know, Sunny and I in February, it'll be 25 years we've mm -hmm. been married. And I can assure you those have not been 25 easy years. Yeah. You know, they haven't. We both drug so much baggage into our relationship. And then we we started having kids pretty um, quickly, too, because we were older by the time we got married. And just uh, it, it, it took work. It took commitment. It, it took going through some stuff that we were like, I, you know what? I think I'm done. Mm -hmm. But then it was the reminder of, no, you're not. You are committed. You made a covenant between you, your husband and God, and you're going to do the work to get your marriage where God intends for your marriage to be. And mm, um, again, just like you, so many, so many of the years while the kids were growing up, you're so focused on your kids um, which, you know, you know, we had a conversation that's in the last podcast. Yeah. Episode. yeah go back and listen to that but one. <laughs> I know. Right. Cause you're so focused on them that a lot of your stuff with, with your marriage and husband get pushed under a rug. Yeah. And I think in that also, um, anything as far as your sexual relationship can too, because you're just parenting and you're yeah. worn out and, and, um, so I, I think as you as you start furthering along in your marriage and, and for us, um, the last really, especially the last few years, we've done some intense work in ourselves, mm. Um, mm. which then has reflected back into our yeah. marriage. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm with you that I look forward to the next many years because I already see where God's taking it mm. now. And I'm 58 years old, you know? Yeah. And, um, I love it, that. it, yeah. So it's, it's been, but again, it hasn't been easy. Mm -hmm. And there's many times it's like, okay, what would happen if I, if I left, you know, what yeah. would that look like? Yeah. And I always say when you, when anyone starts feeling that way, really break that down. What would it look like? Yeah. Because I think it will make you go, Oh my gosh, that is horrible. When you break down, you know, the dynamics of what it'll do to your, to your family. And, um, you know, there's just so much with that. And I always, anyone that's having marriage problems or, or whatever, I said, go back to when you got married and really think about who you fell in love with. Think about, go back to your wedding day, go back to before that, and really just dig deep into what is it about him that I really, really love. Yeah. And it's, and asking God again, because you and I both, I mean, prayer, when we've gone through these difficult times, I have prayed and prayed and prayed and I walk and I pray and I, I just, um, I, I feel like I fight for my marriage yeah. and I fight against the attacks because if you don't, um, it, you know, it just, things can sneak in, yeah. um, on your weaknesses. And before you know it, you may be making choices you said you'd never make. And so, and, and I am, um, already a, a pretty like, uh, feeling driven person by nature. So if I'm not feeling it, 
it's, you know, I'm sort of like, ah, all right. You know, one of the, one of the hurdles I've had to get over in my marriage is if I don't feel it, um, I still pursue it because I know that right feelings follow right actions. And I, I, I've had to learn that I've had to, and you know, it's so funny because I have almost all feelers in my house, except for my husband. <laughs> it's just so funny and ironic, but, um, who are all keyed in, we're all keyed into each other. You know, we're all picking up. Are you mad? Is everything okay? Are you doing all right? And I'm just like, Dear, just stop it. <laughs> you know? But one of the things I've had to say, especially to the girls is, you know, you're not a slave to your emotions. You're not a slave to your feelings. You actually have the ability to rise above those things and, 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 um, maybe just, uh, embrace the thing that you maybe don't, aren't feeling, you know? Um, yeah. But I love what you said earlier. I just want to circle back a little bit about what you said about working on you. Um, I think you and I both have had so much uh, pruning and growing over the last several years for me, for sure. And I would say to anybody that um, whatever you think is the problem of your marriage um, or the man or, you know, in it, may be more about your own self. And that's, and that's, was completely. And so true for me, these inadequacies, these, uh, uh, feelings of discontentment, I was reflecting them onto him and, oh, well, this must be what, and like you said, then you like, okay, well maybe if I go get, I go do this thing, this will satisfy me. Um, if you can, if you can sit down with yourself and with the Lord and really, work on who you are in Christ. What does God want to reveal about himself to you? Um, there's so many layers of myself that God has pulled away at so many insecurities, so many, uh, false identities, false messages. I, I think that the other, I'm not, and I, and I want to get back to the sex conversation because I do think this, that does play a role in it for sure. Um, but working on your own stuff and being honest with self and honest with God. And, 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 you know, um, I realized that so much of the things I thought were him were really me. Like, and it just was easier for me to just be like, well, I'll just, you know, start over. Or if only he was more like that, if only he was funnier, if only he was this and you didn't have so much hair, <laughs> you know, it's silly things though, that you sit there. And I think it's because it gives you, well, it's easier. It's easier to put it on someone else. Like, you know, yeah, than just sit down and do the work. It's not easy to point back to yourself. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's not an easy thing to do that inner work, that inner looking. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Um, okay. I want to get, let's see. Um, I'm going to go down here to, um, where it is talking about, let's see, uh, God's plan for sex is better than anything we could have thought up on our own. Christians should lead the way in this endeavor. We worship God when we enjoy his creation and sex is part of his creation. But marriage is the necessary context in which sex reaches its supreme beauty. Context is everything. 
takes sex out of its intended context and a beautiful thing can become an agent of destruction. The biblical context for a flourishing sex life is marriage and love. Since God is love, we know that every healthy act of sex must be rooted in love, must be governed by love, and must be an expression of love. When we clearly know and love God, we can accurately see and understand sex, and we can freely enjoy it. Mm. Scripture affirms time and time again that sex in marriage is not only God's plan, but also a splendid gift that is ours for the taking and one to be enjoyed throughout our married lives. I mean, mm. so Amen. much, uh, so much in that. I know, right? And there is so much scripture and we will be sharing some of that too. Um, but it's, it's in the context of marriage that we are definitely talking about today, not outside of that. Mm. And um, it, it's just clearly so, so different when um, you are in the context of marriage and when we're talking about the things that God created and ordained for a marriage. And um, I think it's one of those things that it's hard for a lot of people maybe that do have issues um, or difficulties um, understanding that God created this for Mm -hmm. the husband and wife, not outside of that, and created it for that and he created it to be beautiful. And I know for me, it took me many years to, to understand and believe that mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. too, just from a lot of my past stuff. And it, it truly is something that you have to do the work to, um, and, and do the work, when I say do the work, with God, with yourself, and to be able to come to a place of understanding of what this truly means. Yeah. I, I, I was remembering when you were reading that, um, which I think this is, this is an interesting piece of this. Um, I'll never forget one night when I was struggling with thoughts, my thoughts, and we're in the middle of having sex. And I just never had done this before, but I prayed and said, bless help me to just enjoy this with him and be, and, and, and not be thinking. And, um, immediately I was brought into focus and I was able to be with my husband and it was in a healthy mindset and all that. And I remember thinking, why did I take so long to think about praying over my sex life with him? And I think that the reason, at least for me, but I would love your opinion on this is that I think because sex has become something so perverted and so uh, not what the intention and not like you said, I mean, when you go read the song of song of uh, Solomon, or song of wait, yeah, song of Solomon, song of song, songs, song yeah. Of, yeah, okay. Um, I mean, my gosh, like clearly, what a beautiful depiction of how it's supposed to look and. The, the, the love between and the passion and the care and the tenderness. But because that I think our society, especially here in America, have um, just really perverted and corrupted it, I think even yeah. inside a healthy Christian home, it's like this taboo, we don't talk about it or we're not going to pray about that. Like that's, you know, we don't. And, and yet yeah. I think God is anxiously sitting there waiting to be invited into something that he already ordained to be part of, you know, that he already planned to be part of. So 
Um, yeah, I, I think, um, coming to the Lord with your sex life as a, as a, as a individual, or, I mean, for me praying that God would, um, build up my attraction, build up my desire, help me to desire him more, you know, uh, have all been played a part in being in the position where we're at right now and and where I'm at in my, in my, my sex life. And, you know, the other thing, and I don't want to get too far ahead or jump around, but you'd asked me before, like, what are the things that you've done to maybe, um, be in a place right now outside of the work on yourself and, you know, all the things like that. Michael and I, you know, also have tried to make a personal commitment to each other that, um, we don't, we, we don't let a week go by. I mean, there's kind of a, like, so it's usually at least once, but more like twice a week that it's like, we try to come together and any, any more than that, I think, um, can drive a wedge. You know, it's funny because on a, a, just a purely biological level, they say that, when you are hugging someone, kissing someone, touching somebody for, for 20, 20 seconds or longer, it actually changes the chemicals in your brain to become more attached emotionally to that person. So isn't that so interesting that you, you wouldn't think something physical could help maybe the emotional distance that you're feeling with your partner. But I think there's a reason why the Bible says, do not, do not don't stop coming together. And I think it's because it's also a very uh, emotional and mental piece too, to that connection. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's going to bring me into the next part, but I want to backtrack a little bit on what you were talking about too, is about, uh, you know, praying in that. And it, it is such an important point because I think like you too, I, I, I didn't really think much about praying about that part of my life as far as, Lord, help me to have the desire for my husband. Help me to um, love myself, love my body, love everything where I'm not inhibited Mm -hmm. in, uh, you know, giving myself away. Help me to see um, sex the way that you created it and not the way that our culture and the world has put it in our heads. Mm-hmm. And I think when we're just, we're praying those, God honors that, that you are reaching out to him and, and praying about that. And also in your day, um, think about it and pray about it and ask, you know, give me the desire for my husband tonight. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're constantly praying, just like you would anything else, um, you're going to grow in that area and it's going to, it, you know, God's going to keep working in that. Yeah. And so, I mean, I love that you brought that up because it is, it's so important. Um, and I'll probably even put some of these Bible verses, um, in the show notes. So they're out there. Um, but this kind of goes into what you were talking about, about how, how, any anything longer than like a week feels like it creates a distance like Mm -hmm. that emotional Mm -hmm. that that connection's not there which I think is so so true now there are instances so of course we're just talking from you know things for us and what we've learned but there's going to be instances when someone's you know pregnant or after they've had babies or whatever you know illness is where maybe there's a little more time but it doesn't mean that there's still not that connectedness you know that that togetherness. But 
Um, Song of Songs uh, one nine is where it talks about um, it presents the picture of a man who glorifies in his wife's sensuality and as, who assures her that her presence, beauty, and desirability make him stronger and more capable as mm -hmm. a man. He can be more and do more as a sexually satisfied man. I know if Sonny's listening, he's in the back, you know, he's going, yes, <laughs> yes, that is so true. But it is true. And we'll talk about, we'll dig a little deeper on it. But it, it says sex within marriage becomes a powerful force for good, allowing a man to have more energy, more zest for life, more engagement in both his marriage and his parenting, and more zeal to serve God and to succeed in his vocation. Men can tend to feel rejected and not loved. And when he is loved by his wife sexually, it's like he blossoms into another person. Um, men being sexually desired means that they feel accepted, appreciated, and that someone wants them. The way their brain works is if his wife doesn't want him sexually, then she doesn't want him, period. And that makes him feel alone and rejected and affects their identity. You can see that he holds his head a little higher and his whole day is different when he's sexually desired. Starting out the day like that gives you a sense of confidence about yourself and it brings a new force and confidence and even creativity when he goes to the office, goes to work, wherever it is, when he is connecting with, with his wife. And hmm. all that I think was such an eye opener to me also that I didn't, I didn't realize for a long time. I, I feel like a lot of um, marriages fall into the, um, he's, he just always just wants sex. It's just nothing, it's nothing about me. And, um, you know, it's just about what he wants. And I, I think when you hear this and you realize that it does, it makes them stand a little taller. They're just, they do, mm -hmm. they feel when they know their wife wants them, desires them, loves them, seeks them out, um, I truly do. It it helps them not to feel rejected. It it's where I mean, God made them this way, wired them this way, to that is how they emotionally connect with us. Where for a female, um, we connect through the emotions. For me, it's the quality time. It's the you know, it's the things that cause us to to come together um, on an emotional level, but. I just, that was a part of the book. I thought it was like, wow, that is, mm -hmm. that is so, so true. And if you're not having that in your marriage and you're going two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, a month, six weeks, you know, whatever, it's like that distance grows more and more and more. And it <laughs> opens the door for other things to get in to possibly, Absolutely. you know, disrupt that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I have been trying. I'm not perfect, but I try to make an effort to never deny him. So, um, we have not always, easy. it's not. And, um, I was just talking to another client yesterday and I've told him this and he's here somewhere. So he might be listening. He knows what this conversation was going to be about. But yeah. Now he's going to remember you said, you're not going to deny me. <laughs> I, know, I know. And I, and I'm not, I haven't, I'm, I'm there are nights, but he always wants to at like 11 o'clock at night. And, and I've, and so the other piece of all of this is just the communication factor. And, um, because, 
you know, I remember years ago hearing that, you know, women are like crockpots, you know, we're slow, we're, we got to take some time to get us going and get us warmed up and hot kind of thing. And it ain't going <laughs> to happen at 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> like, You're not you a know, <laughs> no, no. And so, um, instead of me, uh, because what, what, what would happen is I would cause I did want, wouldn't want to deny him. Um, and then he would enjoy, I wouldn't, uh, because physically just couldn't, you know, and that's, that's another part of this conversation too, is understanding your own body and understanding what happens with, as with women and how we're, we're wired differently in that way. Men can at any time. And we don't work like that, like, you know, um, but trying to force yourself to do it and then be, and then be upset about it is, is, is just poor planning and poor, you know, um, so I told him, I said, we've got to work on not doing this at 11 o'clock at night, because if you want me to enjoy it too, then it's got to be a different, you know, uh, a different time. So there's, and I think I wrote something in the notes that, um, you know, there's an element to this where you, when you are coming from a godly standpoint, a servant standpoint, that there are times, and I've communicated like, it, it's, 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 she's just not, she's not, it's, it's not responding, honey. Like it ain't going to happen. And, but then shifting my, uh, motivation in that moment to be all about him and, 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 you know, enjoying letting him enjoy and enjoying that, that, what, that gift that I can give him, you know? Um, and so again, going back to the whole, it's not always about you and it's not about, you know, the, 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 uh, enjoyment, maybe I'm going to get out of it. But when you're both working in, from a love standpoint, from a God standpoint, where you're trying to just serve one another, it it it, it is beautiful because there is this um, ability to be able to choose something that you know maybe is not in that moment for what you want or need for the sake of your partner because you know it is what he wants and needs. And that kind of parallels a little bit what you just read which is just, it is, it's, it's so true that, um, there is something that releases inside of a man when he is cared for in that way f frequently, you know? Um, and it's such a fascinating thing to think of because it's just not how we operate. You and I don't operate like that. Uh, but the cycle or this beautiful cycle of when you're doing that for him and then he's meeting your emotional needs, it, it's, it's like this perfect, uh, it works perfectly. You know, you both are yeah. servicing that, the need, but touching on the, um, enjoyment factor of it. I just, I really feel like, like the women here, if you're, I mean, if you are rolling into bed at 10 o'clock at night and thinking that you're, you know, if you're struggling right now with feeling like I don't enjoy it, it's not, you know, I'm not, or like what you said in the beginning of your uh, notes where we're married now, so it's all boring and not fun anymore. Well, yeah, if you're, if you're rolling into bed at 10 o'clock after you've just serviced your family, cleaned your house, gone to work, you know, done your workout, uh, uh, whatever, and you brush your teeth, wash your face, and you're laying there just dreaming about bed and thinking that your body's going to respond well, it, you're, you're totally, uh, you know, going to set yourself up for a, a disaster. So I would say if it's possible, um, one of the things Michael and I've been trying to do is, is day sex. I mean, we've, we've, and let me tell you people, it is a game changer. 
for women, for me. It is a game changer. I, yeah. <laughs> and without getting well, into I too much detail. To, to share, because when you were talking about that 11 o'clock, how, yeah, that does not work. And I mean, mm-hmm. I am an early to bed woman um, and I'm up at the crack of dawn and scheduling or there is nothing wrong with that. It doesn't, that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that it makes it boring or, or whatever, but I think sometimes we have to do that mm-hmm. or, and that's why I was going to ask you. So yeah. So share on that about your uh, day sex. I mean, you know, share about your day sex. But <laughs> sure. yeah, it's like getting to that. I think that understanding of, and I think it even talks about it more in this book or it's one of my other ones, but where just sit down and have the conversations. Yeah. We don't have enough of these conversations mm-hmm. because it can be uncomfortable. And but get get this book and sit down and read it together. Yeah. I I think really by the end you will be having a good time and enjoying <laughs> yeah. it. But you know, it's like so share for you. I mean, yeah. So you guys found a way to to you know make things work with your schedule. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, um, he has been with work. He has been uh, home a lot in this last year. He's been able to work from home. And and so um, we've tried to make opportunity. And I because I, I told him, I said, because his his big thing, and I think this is important for a lot of men, is that you're enjoying it as much as they're enjoying it. And so for him, I mean, you know, I, I'd be like, baby, you're going to be here for about a half hour. Like, like this is not. This is I don't. You you just go, just go. Like, just do your thing, because it ain't gonna happen. This body is not responding. Um, and so I said, I I think I did. I said, let's try, let's let's try a different time in the day. Like if we can, you know. And um, and you know, for him, it, it, it doesn't. And I don't know if this is all men, if it's just him, but it it doesn't matter what time of day. It's like when 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 it's on, it's on, you know? So I said, if it doesn't matter to you, then let's work around me. And I, I would say to your audience too, that that is another key element is, is not to be afraid to say, here's what I need. Here's what is, you know, I mean, we've been in the middle of making love where I've said, Hey, can you, can you not do that? Can you do this instead? And, you know, and it is weird and you do kind of feel a little bit like vulnerable and, and a little like, Oh, you know, um, but um, you're working together to 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 be in, to enjoy it more, to look forward to coming back to it, you know, um, and setting yourself up for those future top times to 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 have intimacy together. Like it, so uh, the, yeah, the communicating huge, huge. I mean, yeah. um, trying new things, and, and trying different things, trying different times, different ways, you know, all of it. Right whatever works in your marriage and with your schedules and for those that still have kids at home or those that don't, you know, it's just, it's all a matter of, of figuring out and figuring out together kind of what, what works. And, um, it's, um, I know another piece of this too, it talks about in here is the expectations, mm-hmm. you know, your sexual expectations and how much they shape the entirety of your marriage and influence what we assume and expect throughout every season of our relationship. Um, 
it says each one of us approaches sex with a set of beliefs that have been shaped and influenced over time, which then all these factors play a role in it. Um, and I think that kind of backtracks to, um, you know, what we were talking about before in what, what, what you grew up with and what was modeled for you. And, um, you know, I'm like you, uh, you know, that wasn't modeled well in my home either. And um, so you really don't know what to expect or you don't have a healthy expectation of what what that is supposed to look like. And, you know, it's like Sunny and I have talked before when when the, we have an expectation, um, may, maybe he's he's coming home and he's thinking, you know, he's got this expectation of what's gonna happen. And I'm clearly way over here on the other side. And when when you both have these expectations of something that's going to happen, and then they don't mesh, you know, it's it's not a good not a good thing. Mm -hmm. And I think the expectations of um, what we grew up with and what were modeled and um, just play such a huge part in in this piece of um, a marriage too. Yeah, and let me tell you, the Lord has been working on expectations in me beyond just my marriage and what a, uh, uh, what's the right word? Um, expectations is like the thief of, of, of so many things because you there ultimately it's, you're acting as though you have control, control over something, I guess, or you're putting, you're setting something up when you don't really know. And so that's been a theme for me is to not expect so much, you know, if from whatever out of relationships, friendships, my marriage, my, um, and my, my love language is, you know, acts of service without me asking, which is kind of an expectation. And so one of the things I've been working on is saying, here's what I need right now. Like, this is what I'm needing. Um, and that's been huge. I mean, just the other day that I, there was going back to what you were saying about the piece that for us, it's more of an emotional mental connection that we're feeling. And, um, I had, I had, uh, <laughs> uh, not, I think, I think I got like a little minor concussion <laughs> at Costco. I got out of my oh, no. got out of my car and I didn't see a tree branch that I parked in front of. And a girl, I, I had my baseball cap on and I just I ran into that thing as hard as I I was like somebody took a bat to my head. Like I I was like, I better not show up on TikTok or YouTube <laughs> down the road with like <laughs> you know, like yeah. people in Costco, you know, fails in Costco or whatever. Anyway. I had, I had called and just sort of like was telling Michael the woes of that. And, um, and I had come home and he was just so laser focused on work, but like what I needed was a hug and a kiss on the head and help with Costco, you know? And, um, he didn't, he didn't even acknowledge my, me being home. And I, I knew he knew cause I just said I was on my way. So, you know, the old me would have probably just festered in that and sat there and gotten upset and irritated and, you know, um, and then definitely wouldn't have wanted to have sex that night. Right. Like that, you know, cause I just would have been building, building up such an animosity and hurt and everything. So I just came to him and I just said, babe, I, I just really needed you to, 
just give me a kiss and, and, and love on me. And, you know, um, so back to the communication factor, I think expressing your need and expressing what, uh, is going to make this better for you or how, 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 um, is only helpful, especially with men, because as much as we want to try to make them, they're not mind readers and they definitely don't know, you know, and he's, he even joked the other day, he's like, he's like, I don't know, sometimes you want it fast. Sometimes you want it slow. Sometimes you don't. He's like, I can't keep up with what your body's wanting. You know, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. So it's our job to say, well, here's, yeah. here's what I really need right now. Or wow, that feels great. Like whatever you're doing, keep doing that, you know? Um, and again, it's very, and you said something in here, uh, I'll see if I can try and find it on my end, but um, about being vulnerable. Uh, and, and I think that's a, that's a really important element to that is that there, there's so much vulnerability in, um, let's see, maybe you can. Help well, me. and you have to be in your relationship oh, where you feel safe and secure to be vulnerable that you're not going to get uh laughed at or shamed or um i don't know made fun of them anyway or mm. um acting like that's ridiculous you know yeah it's like it, it, it needs to be a place where you feel safe to be fully vulnerable it's, it's, it's hard yeah it's, it's right here where you, uh, I guess, page 32 from your book, it says the problem in our sex life offer us the oppor- the problems, excuse me, in our sex life offer us the opportunity to take our relationship to the next level. They pave the way for greater understanding, more meaningful connection and deeper vulnerability. And then I just sort of noted sexual intimacy can be a revealer of emotional or mental hangups that need to be dealt with. And for some marriages, that's hard, that's hard to do. And so, you know, um, I think that there's nothing more uh, exposing than when you're in that moment together. And if there is any kind of trauma, hurt, either in your own personal past that hasn't been dealt with or together that hasn't been dealt with, that can cause a big hangup. And even without your partner knowing it, um, because of the lack of, of express expression or communication could lead to resentment uh, with sexual intimacy because you're not being honest or allowing yourself to be vulnerable. And so I would just encourage women to like, there's things that, that, uh, you, you haven't dealt with in your past or, or even within your marriage. Um, maybe there was a time where, I mean, and I, and I've told Michael this, I said, okay, right now I do just kind of feel like a piece of meat. Like, you know, I, I, I don't, I haven't felt connected to you and, and yet I'm still servicing your needs. And I know it's so important and I want to do that, but, but, but now it's starting to feel like I'm just a piece of me. And so, and of course, when I said that, and I was able to get that out, he felt terrible and we were able to talk about that, but I can't imagine if that was left inside and then you continue in this not good, not healthy place that it can cause some emotional wounds, some wounds that fester, you know, so that needs to be uh, communicated. You know, you need to be yeah. able to, to say how you're feeling that moment um, or how something had felt that didn't feel right to you, you know? 
Yeah. Well, and I think that goes back to just in everything we talked about with the expectations and if if we're not communicating and it's it's not it's not always easy for me personally to do. It's not always easy for me to to tell Sunny, you know, what what is going on or or what I was expecting of him or what mm -hmm. I need or whatever it is. And but then when you think about it, when they're over here going, well, I had no idea yeah. that it's what you needed from me right now or whatever. But yet, like you said, being the mind reader, we're like, well, you should have known. Yeah. You should have seemed pretty gone obvious by my clues <laughs> or my my facial expressions or I know it's it's um, and it is those expectations whenever we have placed those on each other um, with Sunny and I. I mean, that's usually when we're, we end up, you know, in a conversation then later about it because it's like, oh, well, I was kind of thinking this and I'm like, well, I was thinking this and like we were so, you know, far off mm -hmm. from being on the same page. And um, mm. and so um, it's good. OK, let's see what else. Um, I, I know there's mm. so much I want to cover on this. You know, I'm trying to think about um, our listeners and women and the the things that we haven't covered you know the things that we can give them tools and mm. you know we're no therapists or <laughs> counselors or we are just two women that desire for marriages to stay together for marriages to thrive as you age to realize that your marriage can thrive after you know for April 20 years and me 25, that you still can have a very healthy, intimate sex life. And I want women to know that. And it's like what what tools we can give them and, and input for them to um, to be able to feel some hope in that too, um, I think is what I would love to try and think about what we what we can share with everyone. Yeah, I think I think um just to reiterate a couple things and maybe if women are taking notes or whatever, but, um, you know, number one is, is, is the two of you having a, uh, again with expectation, but it's, but it's, but the, the state, I mean, the standard that that'd be good. A good one to say is we will not let this much fill in the blank time go by of not coming together. Like, you know, um, so for Michael and I, it's, it's, it's once a week, but we really strive for twice a week. Uh, we were for a while there trying to do every other night. And that was, um, that was a tall order for me. Uh, that was a while back. I mean, I think now that the kids are older and, you know, you, you can, I mean, it's, I think you said this, which I'd love for you to talk on this uh, a little bit too, but that as empty nesters, because a lot of the hindrances is just all the kids in the house and feeling like you can't get time or you can't get alone enough and quiet at the house quite enough to be able to, to, to just do that, to be together. But that would be one. Um, and then, uh, uh, um, Oh, setting yourself up for success as a, as a woman and, and knowing your body, knowing, being in touch with your own body enough to know, I know if I save this until I'm about to crawl into bed, that it's going to be a, miserable experience for me. I'm not going to like it and I'm not going to want to. And, and so therefore I am not going to suggest and, and whatever that is for you, if you need to like, uh, when he gets home from work and go, Hey, 
like we're slipping in the room because you know that you're setting yourself up and you're for for uh not or not being disappointed and him not being disappointed but whatever you've got to do to so that your own body can respond well i mean you're the only person that knows how your body is gonna respond and i know for me 11 o'clock at night is not is not the time it's not the right time if i want to enjoy it and let's face it if the woman's not if you're not enjoying it as well to a degree i mean that that's a recipe also for failing because you're you're eventually going to burn out (laughs) you know yeah um (laughs) So those are those are two off just the top of my head real quick about tools that I think um, can really be helpful, like picking picking yeah. picking a a, a a limit to or sorry that you you know we will not go this much time without coming together and and I really personally think it needs to be weekly I I I just do I hear people who go months and months of not and I don't know what you and Sunny try to set as far as but um, I can feel and sense like this slow separation start happening after about day three. I can, I can feel it. So. Well, and I think, I think that's the key too. And I think that's where it is for, for everyone to find where that is for them. um, That, that is comfortable for them and in their marriage, you know, because it is, I think it's true um, as the days keep going by, you know, I think you, you start feeling that connection you know, getting just a little bit further. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, then maybe you're not connecting on many other levels, um, you know, during that time either. So, I mean, the, the tools of, of like what we were talking about, look, looking at your schedules, um, you know, looking at when, when things could, could happen that are good for both of you that are in, doesn't mean you have to set in stone every Tuesday, and then, well, Tuesday comes along and, you know, something important comes up. Um, it, it doesn't mean it has to be rigid and set in stone, but like y'all did. You just find some some different times and some different, um, mm-hmm. you know, ways to make it happen. And, um, yes, as you become an empty nester, of course, it does get easier. Sunny and I, I travel on, on different hours a little bit because he can stay up later than I can. And, um, I like to get up early, you know, so Mm -hmm. it takes working, you know, with those, those schedules too. Yeah. Um, to find that. But I think also one of the things that uh, if I could, um, encourage women is even when you, you may not feel, um, like you're desirable, like, oh my gosh, he's going to, um, you know, all he's going to do is look at, how much weight I've put on or my jiggly stomach or, or, you know, whatever. Um, and you're your own worst critic most of the time. Um, and I know for me, that's never anything I've ever had to worry about for my husband. And I'm thankful for that because I mean, to this day, he still thinks I'm the most incredibly, you know, beautiful woman in the world. And that's what you want to feel. You want to know that they could care less about that roll on your belly or that, toe that's longer than the other (laughs) one or whatever it is you know and I think so it's 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 getting comfortable and um learning to love yourself and the beauty and that and whatever that takes for you um to to feel that and know that you're not always going to feel um that desire you're not always Mm -hmm. going to, Mm -hmm. to to feel that 
But like we talked about, I think the other huge tool, the main tool is praying and, and pray if you're in your marriage right now and you just feel like absolutely zero desire for your husband or um, you, you feel like your intimate life is just uh, tanked and gets worse, start praying over it. Mm -hmm. Just really pour into it and pray over it. And I would also encourage reading books like this yeah. that that just reiterate and confirm what married biblical sex is all about, what it really is. And, you know, maybe, like I said, reading it with your husband. Um, and there's a couple other books that I will put in the show notes too that, that are really good. And I know some friends of mine did an actual study with couples and it was, um, it was uh, on the Song of Songs and I heard it was pretty Pretty um, steamy. <laughs> he heated. Uh, pretty heated. And I had to admit, I'm like, that would, I don't know. That seems kind of weird if I'm with a bunch of other couples. I'm not sure. I think it depends on who you're with. Yeah. I think yeah. all of us would have, we would have a good time and probably a lot of laughs if we were, if we were in that study together. Yeah. Um, yes, it would. Be. And I know they made it, they made it enjoyable and fun too. That's awesome. But That's fun. I mean, I think. I think prayer and going back to um, just really what God says about sex. And, um, you know, there's there's so many. Oh, I know. I wanted to read on this one real quick on the verses because it says God created sex to bring about unity. So that's in Genesis, Hebrews, pleasure, song of songs, love and comfort, Genesis, deep joy and Proverbs. Um, and. Uh, you know, I can list those verses out, the actual verses too, um, because I think it's important to have references to go back to yeah. and look at you know, truly what, what God says sex is about. Um, I think too, um, and I'll just speak for myself, uh, going back with, with the grass is greener on the other side, or I like what you just said about going down that road of, um, asking yourself the, or, or, uh, uh, what would that look like? Or, you know, you said something about paint the picture yeah. of what would that actually look like? And, um, I think sometimes we, we fall into this fantasy for me, I fell into a fantasy world of what it could be like, you know, um, and again, because I also came from not having a good reference point, there's lots of things that played parts in that. The movies I watched, you know, and let's face it, you know, I think I think there's a love story inside the heart of all of us that, in my opinion, can only be really fulfilled in Christ. I, I just really do. And I don't even know that the, the complete fulfillment of that is going to happen here on earth. I think that there is a, a longing, you know, Paul talks about a groaning and a, long, a longing. Um, <clears throat> the problem that what we've gotten ourselves into is we try to fill those longings and, and think that we can maybe get them through experiences and, and just different various things. Right. Um, so I would say that for me, not letting myself, uh, kind of putting perimeters on my own self and my own thought life and my own. And, you know, when the Bible says that we need to, you know, take thoughts captive, uh, because that I am such a, I, I have a very vivid imagination and I, and I, so, you know, you'd go down that road, I'd go down that road of imagination and, 
and then and then my reality fell flat. My reality was always a disappointment for me. So I think a tool that I would encourage people is try really hard to um, maybe even write down like thankfulness of what you've got in your marriage, thankfulness for your husband. Start start um, imagining and thinking about all the things that he is. I remember when I went and we went to a therapist years ago together. And she said, tell me all the things that you you appreciate about him. Tell me all the things that you, you really enjoy about him. You know, so I'm listing them off. I'm listing them off. And by the time I was done, she was like, do you know that I have some women that if they could just have one of those things on their list, they would be happy. Just one. And it really made yeah. me realize how um, I was giving way too much time and attention and focus on all the things that I felt I was lacking or he was lacking that I didn't appreciate the amazing things. So and again, going back to that, we don't have to be a slave to our feelings. If if you're not feeling it in that moment, um, one of the best things you can do to counter that feeling is sitting down and being thankful for all the things that he is. I mean, it's 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 the Bible talks about thankfulness and rejoicing uh, being an antidote for sadness and disparity and all of it. So why wouldn't it apply in our marriages? Why wouldn't it apply when we're not feeling it, you know? uh, with, with, with our mate, with our spouse. So for me, a lot of it was, uh, uh, taking those thoughts captive and not putting so much, um, well, again, expectation, but, but letting my mind wander to these ideas of what I thought it could be or should be, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that whole gratitude piece and writing things down about them, because anytime we go to gratitude and thankfulness and, um, you know, it, it can change our mindset. It can change the direction of our thoughts and what we're thinking and, you know, and praying, Lord, give me the mind of Christ, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that gratitude and just thinking about, we did a similar thing before in counseling too. And it's just when, when, when you stop focusing on what you think is wrong and all the faults yeah. are, when you look to the good, um, you know, you, you do, you realize that, um, wow, he's not as bad as I thought he was, you know, it's, and because sometimes a lot of it does, it comes from us. Mm -hmm. It comes from something with, uh, within us and something that we need to work through. And I think it's, it's being aware of that. Um, absolutely. Um, and then the last thing I'm going to share is on a book called God's sex and your marriage. And this was on the covenant and love covenant love. And it said, sex and marriage go together because sex is the physical symbol of the lifelong covenant process promise. It is how we celebrate and remember with our bodies what we have to do with our entire lives. God created sex to be the most tangible expression of the joy of fully giving oneself in covenant. Mm, I love that. I just, I loved Love that statement, and um, well, and yeah, it, that and it makes a- it makes sense when you realize that it's it's what the enemy wants to destroy, because it's such yes. a marker of the covenant between us and God. Yeah, and yeah. and you know, I can't think of, and I don't know if you can, but I can't think of one person that I know that has ended their marriage uh, uh, and and is more successful in their, in this, in their life or what, there's not some kind of a destruction, whether it be with the kids, with, um, you know, um, their their own self or whatever. And I think that the enemy wants to come in and kill, destroy, and, you know, uh, and, and the lie is 
it's so much better out there. It's so much better if you, you know, but when we rest in that covenant assurance, like you said, and we push through, um, the reward is so much greater. I mean, and, and I was just going to, as just wrapping up too, but you had said something way early on about, um, uh, shoot. Um, what things had kept or helped helped us or helped me or whatever. One of the, one of the biggest things was having, um, I have a few different people in my life that are, have been divorced, divorced, were married for a long extended time and then divorced, uh, after about 25 years and, um, speaking into me and saying it is not better on the other side that we believe that I believed yeah. it. I thought it would be, and that it is absolutely not it you will it destroys your relationship with your children it destroys you know and and that every relationship this one individual she had gone through three other relationships until she settled on the one she's with now after having this long marriage and um and she said she goes you know uh it they're all work all of it is work all of it requires time and effort and work and this this idea that like you know you're it, it's it, you're not going to have to or that sex is going to be better with another partner, or all of a sudden now your sexual inadequacies or sexual issues are going to dissolve when you have a different partner is, is such a, it's such a lie. It's such a great deception. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I can't see you on my screen now. So we're, we are going to hope that, um, it's continuing to work. Um, I mean, I heard every word you said, so, um, I think I we'll go you. ahead and wrap up. <laughs> yeah, it, it says your internet uh, is not working properly. But um, so we will wrap up and hope that you are still on the screen to anyone that does watch this on YouTube. Um, but I think, you know, there's so, so many things that we we could talk about and and dig deep in this subject. Mm-hmm. I think I just I just pray that everyone hears April and I's heart for, um, for marriages and for, um, uh, healing in any areas that, that, uh, a marriage may need or the, um, the husband and wife or may need individually. Um, and that, that we can just be, uh, an encouragement and a voice because I'll backtrack on that and your face just popped up, um, that, April and I both have said before how long we've been married, but it is, it has not been a perfect road, has not been an easy road. There's been, you know, so, so many things within the marriage. And if we can, you know, I'm not speaking for April too, but I know she agrees. If we can just help save one marriage, you know, if we can help whoever might be listening to be encouraged by this and seek out help and, um, to, to do everything you can to uh, save and protect your marriage and your family, because the enemy wants to do nothing more than, than destroy families. And my husband and I have been determined these years when we get into conflict and trouble that he does not get that. It, mm-hmm. It's, he does not get my family. And when there has been issues, that's what I pray. I'm like, you do not get my family. You do not get my husband. You don't get my kids. You don't get my marriage, you know, and I put on the armor of God and I fight for it. And when Mm. you fight for your marriage and for your 
intimacy and um i mean you will see amazing things happen and it's so that's so good that's so good carla that's and what, I, I just yeah. really quickly i want to i want to say you said fight fight for your marriage and fight for i think that's another tool that is um yeah. it is a, it's a it's a battle it really is a battle yeah. you know and and yeah. this um uh, place of of uh maybe indifference or just sitting there and, you know, not really an active position is not going to get you into a healthy place in your marriage and in your sex life. It requires yeah. work. It requires commitment. It requires tools, you know, so, so you, you've got to be, both of you have to be ready and in a place of saying, I want to change this and I am, we're going to fight for it. And in, like you said, praying, um, we have the authority to take down strongholds. We have the power and the authority to take down those lies. So you claim your marriage and your sex life and you tell the enemy he has no place in it. I love that you just said that, that you and Sonny do that. And you and you yeah. rightfully say it is not yours to have. You have no part in this, you know, um, yeah. and then worship and praise God for the gifts he's given you and, and, and the things that yeah. he has given and focus yourself on that because where there is worship, the enemy can't thrive. Yeah. Amen. And I've gone through our house and prayed through it and anointed it when I really feel like things are coming against us. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's just, you know, it's just what we have to do. And our families and our marriages are so worth it. And that's what I came to realize over the years. Um, it, it's worth it and it's worth the fight and it's worth my kids having a good, healthy um, view of what marriage looks like because they've seen us go through the stuff, but they've seen us fight for our marriage, yeah. you know, through through Jesus and um, so good. And so it's I so good. just and that's I think that's where a good spot to end it because um, I think both of us that's our hearts and we just Absolutely. want um, just want people to fight for their marriages and their families Great. and yeah and um, know that good. Um, Sex can be uh, great and amazing through um, the covenant of marriage. And Amen, um, sister. We just Amen. Pray that everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, we're gonna wrap it up. But thank you. I this always love fun. sitting here chatting. I know you never know what April and I are gonna chat about next. So true. It's um, true. Stay tuned. It's there's true. there's no telling what she'll be back with. Um, Thanks, honey. This but was so fun. thank you. For everyone thank you april and um i will see you on the next episode thanks for listening everyone